Hello, everybody, Hello. and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Universe. You know us because um, we are now the number one podcast ever. Um, all time podcasts are all stopping because of ours. We will be destroying your feed um, because from here on out, every episode of every podcast is either about our podcast or it is just we sent the audio file. So say you're loading up your Joe Rogan experience and you're like, <laughs> man, I really want to learn about something. Dang. Whoops. It's our Mad Max series. And it has nothing to do with Joe Rogan. We have hijacked all podcasts. And um, But having said all that, before we get into the movie, it is important that you go to your Apple um, app and you find our podcast, and you do click subscribe, and you do click five stars, and leave a little review. That is important, even though we have taken over all other podcasts, and we already know we're the number and one podcast. I would just like to remind people that Joe Rogan was at one time the host of Fear Factor. Yes. Think I'm wrong? Google it. <laughs> I th I think that's maybe just a me thing that I forgot that, because I think most people do know that about him. Okay. Um, Every Monday night. That's what my, the Martinez family did. Really? Yep. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't think I was not allowed to watch it, but my mom was way too grossed out by it. And the stuff yeah, we I saw don't blame her. was just like, ew, this that is That show nasty. ruined Jello for me. <laughs> How so? They, they had to eat banana slugs. Ew. Mm -hmm. that's, off, that's like Shrek stuff, Round which we have two. a series about Shrek. Round two was always the eating the gross thing. Ugh. Three rounds. And then, and then, wasn't there stuff like scorpions walking on people's heads and or crap like getting like, that? like like being in like a casket and they put snakes on you and stuff? Oh my gosh! I yeah, talk about fear factor. The I one could time not they, they that. had to eat goat eyes, I think, and I that's just wrong. <laughs> I hate I, that, that was that really hard. That was really hard to watch. Uh huh. A lot of gag reflexes going on. Yeah, that's awful. Um, but today we are finishing up our series. Talk about a gag reflex. <laughs> uh, this is uh, one series to rule them all, one series to find them, one series to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. I misspoke, and Rebecca pointed it out to me, and I was like, "Why did I have like the main uh, like phrase of Lord of the Rings incorrect? How did I have that wrong?" I kept saying. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to rule them all, and in the darkness yeah, bind I, them. Yeah. But it's one ring to bring them all, and yeah. in the darkness bind them. Come on. Big mistake on Mr. Micah. Um, so thank you, Rebecca. Um, and thank you for your Return of the King episode. That was mm -hmm. a great ep. Um, but today we are finishing up the Hobbit series and Middle Earth. And stick around, because at the end of the episode, we're going to announce what our next series is going to be. And it is another like all-time greatest hits We usually don't wait till the last episode, I thought. Sometimes we do the episode before, but I think I think enough people have, are starting... Like this series especially, there was enough, some hype and stuff like that, that people are going to be sticking around. So, um, so this is the Hobbit... Battle of the Five Armies. And for the listener, Jordan and I bowed out of the series after Desolation of Smaug. And so last night was the first time we ever saw this movie. Um, do you have any comments on that? If, if anything, because it was the first time we saw it, it probably held my interest the most out of all of them. But that's just because I've never seen it. Yeah, I th I think I would agree with you. It's definitely the worst of all the movies, but I had a little more fun watching it just because I didn't know it was going to happen. Incomprehensible, and I was throwing fits by the end. 
Yeah, there's a common theme about when we watch one of these bad movies where Jordan hits a brick wall. Um, I hit a wall too, though. It didn't bum me out like Eclipse did where I had to go to bed after I watched it. Yeah, which is kind of weird because, I mean, well, I guess Eclipse is a better movie. So that's weird to say that a Lord of the Rings movie is not as good as a Twilight movie. I don't think we're talking about a Lord of the Rings movie today, though. We really aren't. And speaking of the movie, uh, as you know, I'm Micah McCaw, and I like to come in and give you all the production needs that you have about the movie and set the stage for the movie. So, first of all, this is the same team as the other three, other two movies, excuse me, and it comes out December 17th, 2017. The box off, no, the budget of this movie is somewhere between 250 to 300 million. Um, and domestically, it makes $255 million, and worldwide, it makes $956 million. So it almost gets the capital B, but doesn't quite make it. Um, and then in 2014, so the year that this movie came out is when they changed the title of the movie. Do you remember what this t- movie was originally called? No. So it was originally called the alternate title of the Hobbit book, The Hobbit, There and Back Again. Okay. And I remember when I heard that they changed the title, I was kind of pissed. And they talked about it, and they said, basically, that doesn't really make sense for this movie um, because it's it's a big battle. And I I think they're right that Battle of the Five Armies is a better title for what this movie is. Yeah. But I don't like that title at all. There and Back Again is so fun. But as we have pointed out so many times, if the series was whimsical, that would be an amazing title for one of the entries. Or maybe just the entry if there was only one movie as there should only be one. But anyway, um, now the interesting thing about this movie is, so when pre-production on this movie started, they had done most of the movie with Guillermo del Toro, um, getting ready for the movie. And then Peter Jackson comes in and he basically lost a year and a half worth of pre-production. And they and had it sounds to, like because he was just like, no, it's fine. We'll make it work. I, I mean, I'm sure it has a lot to do with studio stuff. Yeah. But it's like, in what world would Peter Jackson who, you know, made Lord of the Rings a massive success and what world would they not give him, some wiggle room. I don't know. That just doesn't make sense. It's, I don't. I don't get it. I think part of it is like it might be a little bit of stars aligning because remember Guillermo del Toro left this project because it was taking too long. Yeah. So there might have been a little bit like, okay, we finally have like a release date. Like we just got to make it. Yeah, I guess that's true. That pheasant and back. Um, the pheasants back. Cool. Um, we are house sitting for my parents, so uh, there are nice magical pheasants that walk around in the back area and they're so pretty i love them look at it i can't see it from here but i'll look yeah they're so cool i love them i'm gonna make a note so that i don't uh keep that in seven minute seven minute pheasant so he was not able to rewind the clock so he jumps on the movie loses a year and a half of pre-production and then peter got sick for six weeks and so that puts them back i don't know they didn't say um, but but basically, the whole movie, one of the producers described it as they're laying down track and then like like in a, in a train, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're laying down the track, and immediately the train moves to the next track. And it's like the day of they're figuring out shots. They're doing all that stuff. And if you know anything about Lord of the Rings, and I'm sure you do because you probably listen to our episodes, I mean, these were like really, really planned out. I'm sure there was some 
uh, quote unquote improvisation involved in some of the filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it was so planned out. I think they were even able to turn in some stuff early, you know, and this is like throughout the playbook because we're just making it up on the spot. And Jackson literally says um, in this video that I'm going to put a link in the description of um, this episode. So I would highly encourage you listener to watch it. It's like a six minute video. But Jackson's like, I we were winging it and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. He said, if I hadn't been a director for 25 years, this would have been impossible to finish these movies. So they're working on it. It comes to a head. They get to the Battle of Erebor, which is what this movie is. The, that's Erebor, the mountain. Mm-hmm. And they get to this this thing, and, and Andy Serkis is like doing some secondary directing, and he's just doing random stuff because he doesn't know what to film. So they're just in like a green screen room with like orcs and dwarves, and they're just shooting random stuff. Like fighting? Yeah. And then they get a call, and the, the line producer's like, Hey guys, thank you so much for today. We're taking a couple of months off and we're done for the day. <laughs> so they just take some months off and then Jackson is able to actually like attempt to figure out what they are doing because he has no idea. And so I just want to, I think it's really important to look at the movie through that lens because if you do look through it at that lens, I mean, I think this movie is an absolute mess. But it is actually kind of a miracle that any of these movies even make sense when you when you look at yeah, it through yeah, that totally. lens. Yeah. And you can see how things that we've complained with, especially in Desolation of Smaug, like spending so much time with Thorin and Bard and Thranduil, Legolas's dad. Who's Bard? The the guy who kills the dragon. Oh. Um, like spending so much time with him, it's like, yeah, of course you would think we should spend time with them if you're trying to rush and you're just trying to figure out like who's important and trying to like make heroes and stuff like that. It kind of makes sense that you would do some of the things they did to, to, yeah. to expand it. But, um, basically but it wasn't good from the beginning, honestly. <laughs> right. But basically all of that to say, um, uh, the scripts weren't entirely ready when they started shooting. So, um, that that is what I have for the movie, and again, we're gonna link that video in this so you can watch it, listener, because it's really fascinating, and it's actually kind of intriguing that the studio would allow them to speak so openly about it and put it on the behind the scenes of The Hobbit Three. Yeah, because it's I always one I always love when studios allow that to happen because you know like if you ever bought like like the ultimate Avengers edition of like Endgame. There oh, there's w- no negative stuff in those. Yeah, there'd never be like a time where Tom Holland's like, you know what? I got really sick of working with Chris Pratt. He was being a jerk to me one day. You, you would yeah. never get that. Maybe that doesn't happen, but you know, it's like it happens Disney always tries to people. cover stuff up, you know? Disney's just a propaganda machine when mm-hmm. it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I have for the movie. Do you have any um I did look actors? There weren't really any new additions. We could look up the CGI, who does the CGI dwarf, oh, but I know that you have info on him. You want to know about Mr. Billy Connolly. Is that what you would like to know about? Yeah, who's that? So he is a comedian, and he is also in... Um, Picture, please. Oh, I guess I can look it up. Um, he is in uh, Brave, which makes a lot of sense, because when he showed up in the movie, I thought, who's this brave-looking guy? What the heck? Um... But he plays Dane Ironfoot, okay, who is a cousin of Thorin. 
Brian and Connolly, Billy Connolly, Billy Connolly. And when we were watching the movie, he shows up, and uh, I I know that probably most of you have watched the movie, but I know Mike Combs, you were on the fence about watching this movie or not. Please look up Dane Ironfoot at the very least, Mike, and then immediately text me after you look at it. Because Jordan said, is that guy, is he CG'd? Is, is that CGI person? And I'm thinking, no, there's no way. That, that wouldn't really make any sense. Um, but then we look closer and his lips are moving in a, like a, it's just off. And um, so then I look it up and I have a quote. Okay, from the Hobbit Chronicles book. So this must be something that comes with the movies. Um, Some months later, we had a second round of design on Dane when Peter asked us to conceive him without the restrictions of costume and makeup. What had been achieved on actor Billy Connolly with the prosthetic makeup and costume was cool, but it hadn't given Peter... Oh, sorry, let me open this in the Reddit app. That'll be easier. Loading, loading, loading. Okay, what they had for um, Billy Connolly was cool, but it hadn't given Peter, Fran, and Philippa exactly what they wanted from the character, and we all felt that Billy had become a bit lost under it all. Paradoxically... So they just got rid of him? Paradoxically, if Dane were entirely digital, we could bring more of Billy to the front of the new design brief. How about just hang have on, Billy hang on, do hang it? On. At the same time, we could shift his proportions in subtle ways that could only... that that costume could only achieve to a certain degree. We were able to broaden him, enlarge his head in relation to his body, and make him feel chunkier without encumbering Billy's performance the way a heavy costume armor and prosthetic had. Wrong. But there's more, Jordan. By the way, I want to say he is in Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, (laughs) which I think there's only two Garfield movies. Oh, that's going to be a Patreon. Very excited to discover that. Okay. We definitely have the Patreon, and please go to www.patreon.com slash Micah and you can listen to MPU, the sequel, where we cover series that have two entries. Um, this month, we are finishing up the Finding Nemo series with Finding Dory, and then next month, we're kicking it off with The Incredibles. Um, so, here's the other thing, though, and I don't want to speak out of turn about someone's health, so okay. um, if I don't want to be like rude about that or anything like that. But he was diagnosed with Parkinson's okay. around the same time. So there is kind of a thought, but I couldn't find like total confirmation that like he, it just wasn't quite working yeah. with the, all the costume and makeup. Yeah, probably um, really uncomfortable. And they, they didn't want to like delete him from the movie. Because of his diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. So in that regard, I get it. And yeah. that's, that's actually kind of sweet of them yeah. to do that. But I mean, it looks awful. Yeah. Well, um, I wonder if it's like, I don't know. It's like, okay, so maybe just figure out a costume for him that won't make him uncomfortable. Right. Well, and, and I think another thing is like in reshoots, I think they were discovering this. So like, yeah. Yeah. you know, they probably had stuff that maybe they liked and then yeah. they're doing reshoots probably after that like two month break or whatever it mm-hmm. was. And then, you know, it's just not working. But um, Man. it's interesting. Complicated. Um. But this is a complicated movie. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, this is like one of the most perfect movies to talk about on our podcast because it just like the way it relates to the overall series. We have the incredible weird production of the the movie and then all of it is just it's gold for our series. And again, thank you patrons for voting this as 
the series you wanted us to cover because this has been so fun covering Lord of the Rings and finally watching Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. I knew I, I purposely did not go see this movie, but I knew at some point in my life it was going to happen. I didn't yeah. know when, but I knew. So are you ready to jump in? Mm-hmm. So you remember how the movie begins? Yeah, with the dragon. Yeah, you want to take, I've been talking so much. You want to talk a little bit? Well, it, it picks up where the last movie left off. So mm-hmm. it, it, it ends with Smog, uh, Smaug? Smaug, yeah. Smaug uh, flying to Lake Town to burn it, and that is exactly what he does. Um, I did not like the sequence very much, but I know okay. that you did. Can you, can you tell me what you weren't a fan of? I thought or? it was very ugly. I thought that, uh, obviously, there, you, you have to do green screen, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm not faulting it for that. But I don't, I, I think they achieved a kind of fakeness that maybe would look stylized in some ways, but I just found it ugly. Okay. Um, I think a lot of that, again, I hate, well, I don't hate to bring it up, but I think that's the 48 frames per second Probably. Thing. Yeah, probably. Because you can tell that they're disconnected from the background. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's just knowing what these movies have been going into it and the scenes beginning and just knowing that it's going to be at least a 30-minute scene, mm-hmm. which is just so annoying. It was only it, like 10 minutes, though. That was the weird thing about it. Yeah, I, I guess. It felt long. But, um, yeah, I just I just thought it looked ugly. Of course, Smaug still looked amazing. He mm-hmm. was still the best part. Yeah. So it was worth it for that. But I know, like, he looked... He, there, the the special effects in this scene for me were really exciting. I thought, like, I just thought the CG in the sequence was so phenomenal, and like that scene where he, that shot where he's flying in and the camera just follows him the whole time as he comes down and then he launches a bunch of fire. Yeah, I just thought it was like, whoa, that is impressive. It kind of felt like finally there's there's like there's something like cool. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is how it felt to me. But keep keep talking what you wanted. Well, to it's say. also it's just like you know you know who's not going to die like certain mm-hmm. people. So it's like, well, I know that at some point some people are going to be like almost dying, but they're not going to. So that's something I have to go through. Um, and then it's like so much, and and really in all actuality, it's actually not that much. But uh-huh. it's like, oh, here's Stephen Fry again, and yeah. with his gold and this weird. Worm tongue uh, character. Arthur? I mean, Alfred? Alfred, who was just in so much of this movie. Uh, But then... You're talking like this. I don't know what you're doing. It's like... I just need the gold. He's like, someone please, please in a review say that I'm the next Johnny Depp. (laughs) I feel like that's what he's praying (laughs) every night after shooting. But, um... Oh, I also felt like he's he's a good... He's probably a great stage actor. Yeah. (laughs) That's, That's the sense I get from him. Anyway... And then so it's like, okay, so Luke Evans or Bard, you know, he, you know, he's going to kill him. So it's getting, I, I think it's just because I'm already so checked out of like this entire series. Yeah. It's like, I, so yes, I know what's going to happen, but it's like, how long do I have to wait till it gets there? Yeah. Because everything's felt so unearned uh-huh. to me. Of course, though, when Smaug is killed, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that shot where he flies into the air, he's, he's been pierced by the black arrow. I like and how then, they they added the detail of the arrow spinning. Yeah, as a 
as I shot it at him. I thought that was cool. It was very cool. But yeah, when he died and the light goes out of his eyes. That very was nice touch. Crazy cool. And the camera just like follows him up into the sky. Like I like how he flew up high yeah. and died like up way high into the air. Yeah. That was a cool like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um okay, I'll talk about why I liked it. Okay. Um as far as like the action sequences go in this scene, I felt like they were competent. And it made sense, like, th- what they were doing. Whereas, like, the rest of the movie, it, I got really confused at, like, who was where and the geography of the scenes and why, like, the motivations of what they were doing. This is, like, dragons attacking. Bard, in a weird way, gets out of... I mean, I still think there's weird problems with mm-hmm. the sequence. Um, you know, again, I don't like the master character. I don't like... Um, it did not feel like Lord of the Rings. Let, I, no. I, know, I know it's The Hobbit. I know. But no. you know what I mean? It's... This sequence to me, and most of the movie pretty much, but, you know, since this is the beginning of the movie, it does not feel like a Middle Earth story because it did not look like one to me. I will, I will grant you that. I think I kind of just let that go out of my brain. I don't and think I, was, I can. I think that's the difference. Yeah, I was kind of imagining this in, like, another movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is just cool. Like, the, I thought the fire was, like, gorgeous. I thought the sequence just looked so cool. And I just... All the stuff Smaug was saying and, like, the physics of him, like, grabbing the buildings and stuff and crushing them. Yeah. I just thought it was really cool. And I even did, like, the sequence where Bard's bow breaks and then he, he like, stabs half of his bow on each side of the yeah, tower. Cool. And then and he uses his son. Uses his son to, like, guide it. I was like, that's cool. That's kind of, like, a fun twist on in the story where it's just, like, he just shoots an arrow and it's over. Totally. That's fine. I think I'm realizing something about myself, though. I think that the Middle Earth, like, J- the J.R.R. Tolkien fantasy stuff yeah, is one of the few fantasy things I'm able to be, to, to get with. Uh-huh. And I, I think that especially Lake Town, I'm so don't care about it is because it's like old politics stuff. Yeah. And I, that's, that's why I, I can't, I couldn't, I tried watching Game of Thrones twice and I couldn't get through the first season twice. Yeah. And I think it's because I'm not. Well, the not, first season's pretty boring. That's yeah, but why why should you have to go through a boring season to get to the good yeah. ones? But it's like I I think that I have a hard time with fantasy more than I think I do. Cuz I think you know, I'm like, "Oh, I love fantasy. It's so cool." Yeah. blah blah blah. But maybe I don't like it as much as I think I do. And there are specific fair, yeah. stories or I think I'm much more into folktale. Uh-huh. Woodland kind yeah. of fantasy instead of these kinds of like Game of Thrones political, which is kind of what Lake Town in a sure, way falls sure. under that. I, I just am so bored by it. I, I Well, also, I think fantasy is kind of... um Like, I, I think people just put a lot of stuff in fantasy, and they just go, that's fantasy. So if you like fantasy, you like all of those things. Yeah, but and I like, don't think I a, do. You're a fan of fantasy, but it's like, like science fiction. I'm a big fan of science fiction, but there's plenty of movies and stuff like that that I don't... I'm not like, I can't just like put on any science fiction thing and I'm like, oh, it's sci-fi. I like it. Yeah. It's like, no, if it's really good, I like it more than I would like, say, a drama. But it still yeah. it still needs to be like a certain type of thing, you know? Yeah. And I think fantasy is the same way. It just gets labeled as a catch-all term in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so. Because I still argue that Star Wars is a fantasy. It's not a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And that's like, has no dragons or like no swords. Also a Western. It is a Western, yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's uh, get into it. <laughs> no, we'll we'll cover that. Maybe that's the next series we're covering, uh, fan, or maybe it isn't. You'll have to stick around till the end to find out what we're covering next. But yeah, I, I think the whole sequence was actually very cool. Cool. 
And but it is confusing that this is not the end of the previous movie. Yeah, totally. Because it wasn't even that long. I thought they were going to make it like an hour long sequence or something. Um, but it's kind of like 15 minutes into the movie, Smaug gets killed, and then it finally says The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I know that in the book, Smaug gets killed, and then there's a battle, which Bilbo just falls unconscious, and then he just wakes up and the battle's over, um, which kind of would have been refreshing if that happened. <laughs> I know. I'd be shocked if they did that. But it, it seems like if you're already straying from the material this much, why not save Smaug to fight in the battle? Why not Why not just go that route and then have him attack Lake Town at the end of the movie? And then, sure, and then have him... change so much that they've already changed. Yeah, because it, it's like... I feel like that should be the climax because Azog getting killed is not a big climax to me. I, I don't no. really care about him. And that Smaug's the cool than thing. Lake Town. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Alfred. Let's talk about the Alfred problem. <sighs> I don't want to talk about him too much, though, because he's already been given too much screen time. <laughs> no, do it. Okay, but so basically, when Lake Town is destroyed, people swim to the shores um, and the people are trying to figure out what to do now of course well well that guy's like i'm the leader and it's like cool finally this scene they're gonna kill him uh, because you know he's, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. power hungry coward dude yeah. and then bards there bards slay the dragon so bards in charge of course uh bards in charge of our and i just you just really and, and this nights. is because this is just you've seen it before it's like cool finally kill this guy and be done with it and then they don't kill him and then he's just there for the rest of the movie until he's yeah. cross-dressing to smuggle uh gold out yeah, and it's like, like you let him get away if you're gonna <laughs> give him this this much screen time you couldn't even have made his character develop a little bit yeah and and it's just kind of like I know that a lot of this story is about like the greed. Uh, it's about greed. This movie in yeah, particular, and yeah. it's like the the greed that Thorne has and stuff like that. But I'm just like, okay, so this this character who's aloof and kind of weird, and just he seems like he is not under a spell of gold like Thorne. He's going so far out of his way to where like when he sees when he sees gold, it is like just short of who framed Roger Rabbit when he sees his wife where it's like bazinga like eyes yeah. pop out of his skull and you're like well, i <laughs> he also the the accent you know because it's just so he, he's so over the top mm -hmm. and i feel like if i was watching this on the stage i would not be bothered by it but because yeah. he talks so much that accent feels like he's just screaming in my ear yeah when he talks because he's like over enunciating everything in his cockney accent and it's like, I, I don't dislike this accent, but this dude just calmed down. Yeah. That's how I feel about him. Well, and, and his whole, like, his unibrow is insane. It's I mean, he so looks insane. like a caricature when everyone else looks like normal people. Well, the, everyone in this series, I mean, the, the Hobbit contemporary series people. looks like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay, so we talked about him. Yeah. Um, I did want to mention that I think... Legolas in this movie, well, in all these movies, um, he feels like Orlando Bloom really feels like he's doing an impersonation of Legolas. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, it's like it, the performance also, is not there. It's funny that okay, I know he's immortal, and I know his dad is immortal, so uh, they, you know, they would both look like they're the same age. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Lee Pace is aging better 
than Orlando Bloom and not even the anti-aging that CGI that they're putting on Orlando Bloom makes him look like he is as young as Lee Pace. Lee Pace looks younger than him. Yeah. And that bothers me. Well, there's a lot about Lee Pace in this movie that bothers me. And chiefly, it's that he's just as annoying as he was in Desolation of Smaug. And he is 100% my least... I hate this character so much. I I think I would like Desolation and Battle of the Five Armies. I'm going to go so far as to say 20% more if that character was not in the movie. Yeah. And... I, I, the verdict's out for me on Lee Pace. I've only seen him in Guardians of the Galaxy and this movie, um, as far as I know. And there's not like much of a performance in Guardians of the Galaxy slash Captain Marvel. Well, he, he's your token bad guy in that movie. Yeah. And he's just kind of doing the same character he's doing in Hobbit. So I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him as an actor, but I mean, I, Martin Freeman and Ian McKellen are rising above this horrible material. So it makes me think like maybe I'm being a little too nice to some of these actors because I, I mean, I hate Lee Pace's performance in this series. Yeah. I don't know if I've like audibly heard, heard you hate a a character so much. Yeah. He's the worst. I mean, he's up there with, uh, the worst of them. I mean, he's up there with Maz Kanata, I would say from star Wars, but not worse. I would rather watch her than him. Oh, no, I'd rather watch her, yeah. Yeah, but man, oh boy, do I hate Maz Kanata. She's bad. She's definitely worse than Jar Jar Binks. I could spend some time with Jar Jar, oh, but I love get Jar Jar Maz Binks Kanata out of her. here. Um, and I actually do kind of like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, well, we were young enough to yeah. that we have the nostalgia of like, I remember laughing at that and not thinking it was the weirdest thing I've ever and, seen. I mean, watching it when we watched it the last time, which was like a couple years ago, pretty racist. Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> not great. There's a lot of uh, racist things that are in <laughs> those prequel movies that went way over my head as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now you watch it and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, you have this alien species that's like has to have. Uh, I, we don't need to get yeah. into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just you can come up with all kinds of accents and some of the accents they chose it's like really it's yeah. it's alien they don't really have to have human accents no. you can do a lot of other things yeah um so now let's talk about um the worst thing about this hobbit series well so earlier i'd said thorin was the worst part of the series i don't think that anymore having finished it the worst part of the series is this thing where they decide to try and tie the movies together in a way that doesn't make any sense. It makes so, Galadriel look weak. I don't... Yeah. I think they were actually trying to make her look powerful, funny enough. but um, I did not get that from that <laughs> scene. They So, uh, last we saw Gandalf, he was in a small cage. And then there is, I don't know, a six-minute scene, which is crazy that they like do all this build-up and it's only a six-minute scene where um, Galadriel comes and she says a magic word and it makes all these orcs like fly away and it like purifies this castle and then Gandalf is fine. And, and Radagast he, takes him away. Yeah. Like that. But then Elrond jumps out and then the nine ring wraiths. And Saruman. Saruman. I, no, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Uh, the nine ring wraiths are 
it just pop some out. Of, just some of the worst effects on them. Very weird. So I don't know what so they were bad. doing with that. It's like a weird. They looked like holograms. It was it was weird. And I, again, I do want to stress: we are going to tear into this movie. I do think that everyone involved in this movie is actually extremely talented. And I think, again, I want to point out, I think a lot of it comes from the fact that they did this in 48 frames a second. But I do think the visual effects, even though I don't like a lot of them, I still think like the team that did this are geniuses. And we'd love to have anyone from Weta or any of the other companies on any podcast of the series. It would be amazing because they are geniuses and they know how to do it. Sometimes it just doesn't work, though. That's more the point. Um, and sometimes it's misplaced, and sometimes that's not the digital people's fault. Sometimes it's a deadline's fault, you know? Um, that's my precursor. I am so disillusioned by these movies now that I don't even care about saying nice things like that. Well, I, you know, it's just like people work so hard. Uh, you know, it's like people worked really hard on these movies, and I don't want to... I know that they would be offended if they listened to this, not that they would, but it's also like, I mean, I respect a lot of the stuff they did, and I, I respect the work that they had tried to do. I just don't like the product. You know? Sure. It sucked. The effects were so bad. <laughs> I think they're pretty good, actually. It, but, in this scene? Oh, no, no, in no. Scene, I, don't, I don't like them. that's what we're talking about. But I think it's a choice. It's like th that choice was the wrong choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. I'm saying it's not good. Back to the story, though. So they fight the ring race, and they defeat them, which logically does not make any sense it was to like, me. They would like, it looked like sometimes that they would, you know knock one off the edge, and then it would reappear. Yeah. So how did they finally defeat them all? I have no clue. And yeah. then Sauron shows up. Saruman. Oh, oh, you mean Sauron. Yeah. But Sauron's there too, and he's fighting them. But so it's like... Well, and... and no, the, no, no, no. This is okay, the thing okay, about Galadriel. Okay. So she was, yeah. helps Gandalf get out. And then he leaves, and she already... She's like borderline crying, which I understand this is... You know, intense, it's, it's quote intense, unquote. all this stuff, but it's like, I mean, I don't know. She's never really showed emotion any other time besides when she was tested. Yeah. Um, and the fellowship and, um, and there's kind of a weird hint to that. Like maybe Gandalf and Galadriel had there been another time. I don't even want to talk about that, <laughs> but she, she just seems like, you know, I don't think she is meant to be a character that I relate to. Yeah. Like, I think she is supposed to feel like a goddess. Right. Like a mythological thing. A being. Like an all-knowing wizard. Like, yeah, Else like I a mean. spiritual being. <laughs> yeah. And so to see her, like, look, like, crying or afraid, and it's like, I don't buy it. I don't buy that she would do that, that she would react that way. Um, okay, you. I didn't quite understand what you meant last night when you were saying that. Now I get what you're saying, yeah. and I absolutely agree with you, yeah. And then... You know, they're fighting, and then she does, <laughs> they do the same effect that they did in Fellowship of the weird backlight. Or she's kind of green. Green, but like looking. shadowed. And it's like, that makes no sense other than you're just using something that we've seen before. I, yeah. I don't get, well, I guess I get why they did it. I don't, I don't understand why someone di there didn't say, why are we doing it though? Well, it, it's like the, um, Oh, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's a few examples of this in Captain Marvel where they just, even though I do like that movie a lot, they just show something that you'll see later. And it's like, oh, that has nothing to do with this story, though. So why am I seeing that? And it's like, yeah. but, it's like, but you remember, this is actually, you're going to see this in Avengers 1. Because it's like, you know. 
in a way when in fellowship when they you know that effect meant that she was experiencing darkness yeah and we were seeing her potential of darkness because she was being tested and she was saying what she would do if she had the ring Uh so now in this moment she um sauron appears and she does this powerful thing to like get rid of him so was it like are you fighting darkness with darkness (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and yeah. that doesn't and i know she's using the light of uh yeah the, she's using, using the, the light star. of elendale which kind of pissed me off which is like but why does she still look like that yeah why does I she didn't look get that. evil for a second i thought that she was holding the light and it was gonna like suck in the darkness and that was the they were trying to explain that that was the light of elendale was like evil and no, I was, because in fellowship. No, no, I oh, know okay. they didn't do that, but okay. I thought they were doing that, and I was about to be so angry. And then I was like, okay, I'm still so angry because I hate that she used it, and I hate the sequence because it's the worst sequence in the entire six movies. But okay. Also, it's <laughs> dumb that she used it because I don't like. Let's say in a world that this was part that this actually happened in the story. Let's just explore that. Yeah, I don't think Tolkien would write that she used that. No. Because that doesn't make that device doesn't make sense to use in that way. Also, it's like <laughs> I mean, and we see this so often in prequels where they try to like retroactively go back and give significance to things that don't need significance or kind of change what something did. So it's like if you look at it, Return of the King, Frodo Frodo and Sam both use the light of Elendel, and it is a light. Yeah. That helps them see. And I think it kind of grants them like a little bit of like um, it kind of shows them where to go is the impression I get from it. Yeah, and I mean, it's just anything that's evil hates it. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what it does, but in this, it's being used as, like, a weapon. And uh-huh. I have a problem with that, because that doesn't make... Uh, that's just... I don't know why that would be a weapon. It, it And and, and it, it's weird that she would use it, because she gives it as a gift. I, I don't know. It doesn't... It doesn't add up to me. It's... Just, I don't even know what to say about it, really. But, but there's more to so the scene. Dumb. So it's like, okay, she does that, and then it sucks all the energy out of her, and she can't, she can't even lift a finger. It looks like at that yeah. point, which is like, yeah, I, I get it because I've seen this so many times in so many other movies. Still, don't buy that she's like that. Yeah. Secondly, Saruman's like, you guys leave. I'll handle Saruman, and it's like, or Sauron, and it's like. brother okay well okay but i gotta jump into this a little bit more um so the eye of sauron appears to all four of them um and i think even radagast sees it and so i just want to point out that in the fellowship gandalf when he sees bilbo's ring and starts doing some like investigating he's not entirely certain that sauron's around he kind of has a suspicion but he doesn't know. He goes to Sa- Sauron and he's like, Sauron, I think the Ring of Power might be around. And I think Saur- Sauron might be coming back. And Sauron's like, no, you got to be kidding me, right? Now he's playing it two-faced, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. we know. But um, and, and in the Council of Elrond, Elrond's like, no, you're saying the Ring of Power's back? But in this scene, it shows all of them see Sauron and they literally are like, the darkness is rising again. And then it flees to the west for some reason. And Saruman says, I'll handle it from here. I'll drive him out of Middle-earth or whatever. 
which the implication is like, ooh, he's going to go over there and get corrupted, okay, or he's covering for it or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. I just think that off screen, they all must have bumped their heads <laughs> and got amnesia. they can't know that information if we've watched The Fellowship. Yeah. They just can't. No. It doesn't make... Uh, it. That that scene made me so mad. Me um, too. Probably the most mad out of the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I think it's like... I was texting Mike Combs, who I'll dro- name drop again, my pastor, and I said... Because he's a big Lord of the Rings guy and Star Wars guy, and I said... There is a scene in Battle of the Five Armies that's worse than anything the prequels did to Star Wars. And that's the scene. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, but let's move on. I think we've pretty much covered that. Um, so there's a lot of... Everyone's eyebrows are too damn big. <laughs> <laughs> that, sure, that's I'll give that to mention. you. I mean, everyone. Except for Tariel, because she doesn't have a lot of makeup on. Um... So she's the only one. Everyone else, they have so much, so much extra eyebrows, and it's I can like, see why they did that for the dwarves. But they also did it for Thranduil, yeah. and um, uh, I, I mean everyone except for like characters that have been other movies. Yeah. Um. So let's just blow through this really quick. Well, Bilbo tries to make a deal with the oh right with the Arkenstone. All these people go to Erebor. The elves and... The um, elves want a special jewel. Um, Thorin's consumed by gold. Yeah. Lake Town wants some gold because they believe that it's their right. Like, they, they believe that they are owed some gold. Plus, they did give them f- passage. I think that's part of it, but yeah. I think it's also like, we are refugees, help mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Thorin's consumed with finding the Arkenstone, which, of course, Bilbo has, and Bilbo gives to Thorin. Uh, Thranduil Lee Pace and says give this to Thorin and he'll give you what you want yeah okay cool and then Thorin's like no way Jose yeah and uh, I thought that was weird that he said Jose I know but he did (laughs) yeah he did and then it's like okay battle's gonna start and a note about Thorin I wish that the other two movies he was um, less subtle about his anger and vengeance because in this movie it should feel like, oh, now he's around this gold. Now he's acting different. He's being weird. And all the dwarves are saying like, oh my gosh, he's like consumed with the gold. But to me, from the two other movies, he was just a jerk in the other two movies as well. So it's not much of a difference. Um, It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, that's Thorin. Like he's a big jerk to everybody. Oh yeah, no character development. Yeah. When when it should be the consumption of gold, you know, Um the consumption yeah, of gold? Yeah, he's eating it. <laughs> he's, well, basically. He's got a big bellyache. That's why he's so mean. Um, But yeah, so all of that. Um, Okay, then D- Dane shows up with his, on a pig. Yes. Cool. Yeah, that Love is freaking cool. Yeah. If you want to put a giant pig in a movie, sign me back up. You, you, got, us, you got us in to watch that and movie. later they use giant rams. Uh, Didn't think it could get cooler but it did and it also kind of made sense because they used the rams to climb up that mountain Makes you're sense. right that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah um and i do like the giant reindeer that lee pace is on sad that it goes yeah that was kind of sad um i like i like the idea of um large animals that people ride as maybe as maybe a like series right idea using the bunnies I'm not as big a fan of that. But you literally said that's like the one thing you like about him. Oh, I forgot what I didn't or didn't like about him. 
He confused Such me. Such a hypocrite. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna Micah edit edit out the hypocrisy and Mark. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Big old burp. Okay, so uh Dane headbutts a lot of orcs in one shot. I lost track. Uh, I think it was over five times. And in one shot. And it was weird because he's CG already, so I don't know why they didn't make the headbutts look like he actually hit the orcs. And he kind of segues into a interesting thing throughout the series. The fighting looks like everyone is half-assing it. It's just like... The, the real ev- actors you're the talking about? The real actors. Okay. It, it looks like they're fighting things that are not really there because, of course, they're not really there. Mm-hmm. But So basically, most of the people are doing a j- bad job acting. Yeah. When it comes to fight scenes, it looks like no, like this is the easiest battle in the world and no one's breaking a sweat for it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it looks like. So let's just go. So orcs show up to battle starts and then it's like, cool. I have no idea what's going on because the action here is not great. The action's not great. And, and it goes back to this thing where like, I, I, I go, you know, you think about Helm's deep. That's a very good example of a counter example. Of course, there is a lot of CG in that sequence, but there is some realism in it. Yeah. There's also, like, stories within the battle yeah. that happen, and there's certain goals. And I know that they do some of that in this movie, but it's so well-defined. So it's like, okay, orcs are attacking, then they can't figure out how to get in. So then they blow something up. And, you know, everyone's reacting to that. You have, like, that elf that gets killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like they're breaching they the whole show up at all. Like that's part of the story too. Yeah, all of that stuff. So like the whole time it just keeps building and building and building. And then there's real, real, real stuff. And I keep using the word physics in this series because again, we don't care that much about realism, especially in fantasy, but there is, there are certain things that you should treat realistic and like basic movements. It's nice if they're realistic, but when everything is, um, CG and kind of play doughy. Like you're watching the sequence and it's not very interesting. Yeah. Um, if this was like a movie where people were stuck in a, if this was like Ready Player One, <laughs> where it's a virtual world. Yeah. Like I liked the action in that movie because it's like this shouldn't look realistic, uh-huh. you know, but, but following the rules and the 10 years of me rewatching Lord of the Rings over and over, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, I like, I have such a disconnect and I don't care about what I'm looking at. Yeah. I'm not worried about the characters. Um, and when like Killy and Philly get killed, I was like shocked, but I wasn't, it wasn't a build like, oh no. I didn't have that feeling. No, 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 no. Like when, um, uh, uh, what's his name dies, the king in, uh, Theoden? When, yeah, when Theoden dies, you're like, no, the, he died. Yeah. That sucks. But in this, or it's even like, when the elf dies in Helm's Deep Battle, yeah. I feel bad for him, and we we like don't even really know who he is. <laughs> yeah, but in this, you're just like, oh, whoa! I'm surprised they killed that guy, and then the next guy they kill, and you're like, oh, and then Thorin dies, and you're like, huh, that's weird. Yeah, I don't remember them dying in the book. You look it up. Oh, okay. Also, okay, yeah. Um, <sighs> first, I want to quickly want to mention when bard is being shown which is kind of like barbie's still seeing him yeah but he's trying to reunite with his family and that troll comes and it is oh, one of the no, ugliest no. i'm not ugliest is a bad word because trolls are ugly but it's one of it's the, not cool looking no it looks it like kind of it kind of is reminiscent of the troll in chamber of secrets yes that's what it is and you're uh, like i don't like that design yeah 
Well, no, it's like it makes sense for me with the chamber. Is it chamber of secrets? Philosopher's Stone. Oh, oh no, yeah, Philosopher's Uh, Stone. Philosopher's Stone because it's like a kids' movie and he should look funny. Yeah, I still don't like the design. I wish it was different, but okay, that's early CG. We get Um, some slack, but um, yeah, at this part, it's just like they have never looked like this. Why are they now looking like... Th- I don't know. I didn't well, like and, it. And they have those trolls that have, like, concrete helmets, and they run and jump into this tower, and it totally rips apart this wall, and then they instantly die. Mm-hmm. Kind of actually a cool idea. I l- kind of like that outside of Lord of the Rings. But then when you think about it, again, a prequel problem. They're trying to make this as epic as Lord of the Rings when it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be as epic as the big story of that series. Um, and when they're doing that, I'm just thinking, so at Helm's Deep, why didn't they just grab one of those trolls and do that? Oh, yeah. Why you know? They, yeah. Yep. Why did why'd they bring an explosive if they could just have this troll? And there's like those earthworms that kind of just appear. Burrow holes in the mountains, Cool I guess? set, though. Cool set. Well, yeah, the design, not of the worms, but the design of like the holes in the mountains, cool. Yeah. But it's like, it, it just begs the question of, how did they like get dominionship over these worms? And where did they come from? <laughs> and and again, you just think like, well, if these things exist, why don't they? Ap- and I know on a practical level, like they made these movies after Lord of the Rings, but on a story level, you're like, how come they're not involved in any of the Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, things? I think that they would be using them all the time to get through <laughs> mountains. Yeah, all the time. There'd be holes everywhere. <laughs> and I, I mean, I also understand that this world is supposed to be big, so we should see new things, but. You know, we've seen a dragon. There's no there's no dragons like Smaug in Lord of the Rings. There are dragons, but they're not like him. They're not sentient. They were. And, you know, they ride the... The nine riders ride the dragons. Oh, the Nazgul. Yeah. Yeah. But... Okay, so then when... So then Thorin goes up to def, to face off with Azog. Uh-huh. Which there's a ton of works there, so it's just another long sequence. I yeah. actually do appreciate that it is a set change. Yes, they did follow a, our rule on that. That's a that's good. It was a little refreshing. I think because there were less people too, the action was a little bit more like I understand what's happening. Honestly, this series still has really good sets. Yeah. I think the sets in the series, I mean, some of them aren't as good, but again, I think it's because of the 48 frames per second yeah. you can see the disconnect. But I most think, of the sets are pretty cool. I think Mirkwood looked was my one of my least favorite actually. Yeah. Out of all of them? That's just more because it was dark, I thought, for me. Yeah. Oh, but the forest was cool. When they were walking around, it looked really cool. Like, in the forest forest? Yeah, yeah. That's different to me. I'm talking about, like, where the elves were. Oh, yeah. Just not that interesting. I know they were in cells most of the time. But, um, okay. So, gonna fight Azog, killing all these orcs. Legolas and Tariel show up. Killy or Philly dies, the blonde one. And then Killy dies next. Uh, which I forgot that they died in the book. Yeah. So it was kind of like, huh? Yeah. Um, but that's on me. But, uh. Well, and this begs the question of Tariel. So she's in love with Killy for some reason. Yeah. Um, Not really explained. Um, (laughs) that's a dig at the movie. But, um, what, what is weird about adding this triangle, adding a made up character, Tariel, is so she falls in love with Killy. Maybe it's supposed to give you more emotion when he dies. But the confusing thing is, so now she, and she survives this whole experience. Right. So she survives, 
Killy dies, which I just assumed re- they're rewriting the series. Killy and Tario live happily ever after. That's how I thought this movie was going to end. Absolutely. That at least kind of like ends that bad storyline on a good note. But instead, he dies and she lives. And it's just really confusing because it's like so. Then she marries Legolas, or like because that's like kind of how love triangles work. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like if they're gonna make her fit into a a system, that's how it goes. Yeah, but then this the movie ends with Thranduil being like, "Hey, Legolas, you should go looking for this guy. Ugh. He's a dark rider, and his name is." Strider. But you have to earn his real name. Something like you have to discover what his true name is. And that was like that was like the Han Solo, your last name is Solo moment. I think that was worse than Solo, Micah. Oh, no, definitely. That was one of the worst prequel moments. Oh my gosh. It was just more me throwing fits there. I think I was screaming no as they're as during that scene. But yeah, it's so hard to write a prequel. That's good. But the, but the problem is, I don't think they get that excuse because The Hobbit was written before Lord of the Rings. It's all there. Mm-hmm. So like when he gets Sting, when he gets Mithril, it doesn't feel weird because it's just how the story goes. But when they add all this crap and they try to tie that in, that's what feels tacked on and like you know that they know what happens next. Yeah. Uh, yeah so then so then yeah he dies and she's sad and then legless what finally, did she do at the end of the movie i don't remember i don't remember what happens to her i know she I survives know. but i think that's it i don't think we I, like, maybe see her. lee pace lets her come back to mirkwood remember because like oh. when he when he dies and she's crying he shows up and she's yeah. like and he's like take this pain away from me you experienced real love something like that and uh legolas gets his showdown with the one of the worst designed bulk. orgs bulk he looks like a bulk uh with that guy looks so dumb but they get their show off which is like one of the craziest <laughs> yeah. action sequences and not in a good way when the brit this bridge well well it's, it, a, it's it, go ahead well, it, it's it's this sequence seems like it was like uh, unused footage from Matrix mm-hmm. uh, Reloaded. Yeah. Where he's in the game and he's really going crazy. I mean, the bridge is falling and he's running up falling bricks. But it's the, the insane. Bricks, what's weird is like the bricks seem to be falling in slow motion, but Legolas doesn't seem to be in slow motion. No, he's not. He's just w- w- hopping up at normal speed. It's weird. It's so dumb looking too. Yeah. But that happens and then Thorin's fighting Azog, which when it shows their, you know, their showdown's about to happen, and you're like, okay, start the clock. This is gonna be no lo- <laughs> no shorter than fifteen minutes. Yeah. Which was I think it was longer. Yeah. And they're just fighting on ice and then Azog goes goes under the ice and then he stabs Thorin through the ice and then he comes back up from the ice and I well when he went in the ice, I was like, nope. He's oh, coming no. back There's up. There's no way. Uh, then he kills Thorin, then Qu- Thorin kills him, something like that. And then Bilbo's with him. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, I do want to point out, they bring back our favorite, um, Bjorn the bear. Gosh. And he jumps off an eagle and turns into a bear mid-flight and mm-hmm. attacks the orcs, which is and that's insane all we see. To that's me. all we see. Yeah. Which is just like, why have it at all? Yeah. Um, the Legolas outro... So, 
I think we actually covered the whole movie. Um, it's, but but what what they finally do though is finally, Mister Hobbit, Mister Baggins, he heads home, and you're like cool. And there's this and great sequence in the book where everyone's selling all of his stuff. And I didn't think they were going to do that for and, some reason. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But you see those nice slopes of the Shire, and people are selling stuff. And damn it, if Martin Freeman isn't just a charming actor mm-hmm. and a great at acting, confusing that he has like an hour of screen time in all three movies. I am curious if he if he auditioned for Lord of the Rings. Uh, I don't think he did. Would we have known that probably? Well, I watched a I watched the career breakdown. And, oh. No, no, I think no, he did. He did audition. He did. Yeah, he auditioned and originally with like the Guillermo thing. If if I'm remembering right, I watched this video a long time ago with the Guillermo um, project. He auditioned, got the part, but then I think with like Sherlock and some other stuff, there were scheduling conflicts and he wasn't going to be able to do it. Lord of the Rings. Oh, I thought you meant The Hobbit. I'm talking about Lord of the Rings. I'm oh, curious if no, he auditioned. No, he didn't. He didn't audition for Lord of the Rings. Okay. Just, I'm just curious. But anyway, so he was trying to, he was going to do that, and then he wasn't able to be Bilbo. And then when they when they changed the production and stuff, then Peter ah. called him, and he was able to be Bilbo. I don't even know who else could do it. He's so amazing. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, the we've talked about so many issues. Oh, wait, let's finish the set. So they're selling all of his stuff. And then he's like, no, I'm here, I'm real, I'm alive, I didn't die. And then he's back in the hobbit hole. And I was glad that they added that charming scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the biggest issue with this series, and we've talked about how um, it's not faithful to the book, we've talked about the effects, all this stuff, but the biggest problem is Bilbo is not the main character yeah. of the hobbit. Yeah. And it's like a gross misreading of the book. Yeah. Because they really make Thorin the main character of the series. And that's just such a mistake that they made. Yeah. Um, But then the series almost tricks you into forgetting everything bad about it because it flashes to old Bilbo mm-hmm. and you hear, you see his side of the conversation when Gandalf in the Fellowship knocks on his door. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's so cool. And then I'm like, no, don't fall for that. I know. It's like, like, they didn't earn that. Put in that. Fellowship right now. Let's watch it. <laughs> I do like that idea that they had of bookmarking the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I've covered all my complaints with the movie. I'd like to do more, maybe discuss the Hobbit series as a whole. Okay. Um, but if you have anything no. before that. Um, no. Okay. Uh, well, then I just think that they did have kind of an impossible task. Um, and I grant them the production issues and all that. But uh, I, I think that the reason these movies are bad is because they th- there was a lack of understanding of the source material. Had they been unfaithful but in a way that was still at the heart of the story, I don't. I would have probably had problems when I first saw it, but when we rewatched it for this, I probably would have been like, oh man, this is so charming and good. And I think the, the problem with this series is it's not charming. I think... That it should be not epic and it should be fun. It should be a fun, charming. I agree with movie. that. And it's hard to watch these movies and to not think cynically about how people, like I guess producers and studios, went into this project thinking about how much money they can make. Yeah. Which I know it's like, sure, studios a business, they gotta make money. Sure. But like thinking about how much they can suck 
out of one book. Just like those uh, mountain worms? Just like the mountain worms, I guess. But like how much they can, how much money they can make out of one book turning into three movies. Yeah. And it's just like, guys, it is so obvious from day one what you did wrong. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I just think had the had the series been cut down to one movie, maybe two. But I really think they could have done this because because the Hobbit is shorter than any of the other Lord of the Rings yeah. books, and I think they could have easily made it one really charming, fun movie that had the energy of the first twenty minutes of the Unexpected Journey. In Unexpected Journey, the first twenty minutes of that movie, you're like the dwarves show up. It's fun. They're having dinner, and like you're in the Shire, and you're like, oh, this, they're gonna nail this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't like the costumes, but that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. If they had kept that energy, not tried to make intense, crazy, cool action, I think it would have been an amazing movie. It, people wouldn't have liked it as much as Lord of the Rings, but most people don't like Lord, The Hobbit more than Lord of the Rings anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, just like, yeah, go into it just making something good, not making something better. Yeah. So that is um, our Middle Earth series. We have finished it, folks. Um, Finally. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I know. It it ends on a bad note. But the fun thing is they did make The Hobbit so different that when I watch Lord of the Rings, it doesn't even cross my mind that they're related. Yeah. Because it just, they're so disconnected. It really feels like The Hobbit is kind of like a fan fiction movie that someone made. Yeah. Um, and they were like impersonating Peter Jackson with different technology. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Jackson hasn't made a movie since, and I, I think it kind of broke him. I think it probably did. He's been focusing more on producing, but I, I mean, I am dying to see what he'll do next. Mm-hmm. I really want him to make another movie. Want to make a horror movie? That oh, that would be lovely. Um, it'd be cool to see him do something like a get out type of thing where someone gives him like $20 million and that's it, mm-hmm. you know? But I think he's- Maybe a, he needs to do the M. Night thing and mortgage his house. Maybe. But I mean, I would like to see him do a project that he has the adequate time yeah. and everything again, yeah. no matter what it is. Right. I mean, I, if it's another adaption, let's see it. I would yeah. love to see it. But um, Hollywood's experiment of splitting books into multiple parts is uh, we give it a big old fail. Um. And, uh, yeah, I th- so I think that's all we got on that. But our next series is similar in terms of another series that's pretty overindulgent on this on what it originally was. Yes, folks, we are covering the Steven Spielberg-helmed scary monster Just- series, Jurassic Park. Next week, we're jumping into Jurassic Park, and we have a guest lined up for every single episode. Um, We have someone pretty cool in the next episode, and then we have someone pretty cool in the next episode, etc. I realized that without giving away who's in it, I can't really describe that in a very interesting way, so I backed out. But um, we don't have Steven Spielberg, so don't get your hopes up. No, we don't have Steven Spielberg, but we have we've we've recorded our first episode already, and it's fantastic. You're gonna love it. Next week's episode is so good, um, and it's this is a very interesting series because going into it, this is definitely 
uh, like there's Jurassic Park one and then there's the rest of the movies and they don't come even close. But who knows? Maybe our minds will change. And I have not seen most of the movies. Yeah. So uh, we hope that you will hang out with us and watch that series with us. The the series that finds a way. And um, is that what it's called? That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Life finds a way. Oh, cool. I like that. That's good. (laughs) And uh, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and review. Please join the Patreon, patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. And um, stay safe out there, folks. Bye.